We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. Hi friends, welcome to We Saved You a Seat. I'm Tamara Crabtree with Oklahoma Family Network and have with me today Cheyenne Allen, who is mom to three-year-old Denver. Today, as you hear about Cheyenne and Denver's journey with the rare 1P36 chromosome deletion syndrome, Um, I think you'll hear Cheyenne's passion for advocacy, her heart uh, to spread awareness, and the achievement of being the very best mom um, to Denver. Cheyenne, welcome, and I can't wait to hear more about you and Denver today. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. My name is Cheyenne, and I am mom to Denver. She is three, like Tamara said. Um, Denver has what is called 1P36 chromosome deletion syndrome. Um, Basically, what that entails is... um, Denver is missing some of her chromosomes. So it's how I like to explain it to people is basically um, everyone kind of is familiar with Down syndrome. Um, And so Denver has a total opposite where kids with Down syndrome has extra chromosomes. Denver is actually missing one. So that's what makes her so unique. Um, With 1P36, a lot of the kids have um, cardiac issues, um, epilepsy, like nine times out of 10. and then all around global delays. Um, And then also, we don't know a whole lot about 1P36. I would say it's not one of the rarest chromosome abnormalities. Um, You know, so Denver's chromosome is rare, but it's not super, super rare. So there are quite a few kids diagnosed with it. Um, um, It was only discovered, I think, in 1980s. So they're still collecting a lot of information about it. And so we're still learning. You know, it's terminal, like Denver will ultimately pass because of um, the symptoms associated with it, but not because of it. So there's not like a life expectancy. I guess. Um, But 1P36, I like to compare it to kind of like the autism spectrum. We really don't know where our kiddos are going to fall on that spectrum. You know, there's really high functioning kids. um, And then there's kids that are very low functioning. And there's kind of a mix in the middle. You know, you might have a kid that's able to walk, but not maybe able to talk. Or you might have a kid that is, you know, mentally there and cognitively there, but they're not physically able to do some of the things that we're able to do. Um, And I think that's really where therapy and keeping up um, with all of her specialists, you know, plays a huge role in life and ours. Um, And sometimes, like, the task of getting her into all of her annual appointments, um, you know, and seeing specialists that we have to go to three or four times a year, and then therapy, you know, she has six six therapy sessions a week, um, so that entails us going to um, her therapy sessions three times a week, and sometimes that can be a little bit much, but basically how we were explained um, to give Denver the best life. We have to be very proactive and ensure that we're getting her to those therapies and implementing what we're learning in therapy at home. That sounds like a very busy life. It it is a very busy life, but you know, it's really worth it. Um, I would say whenever Denver was smaller, you know, and she couldn't roll in different things, her therapist would work really hard with her 
to get her to do things and she would get upset during therapies. And I remember thinking like, why are we even coming to these therapies if it's not helping, you know, and I just kind of had a little bit of a negative mindset and, you know, Dimmer would be upset. And that's kind of hard as a parent to watch your child be pushed past their limits and then them not participating because, you know, Dimmer had like a feeding tube and a suction and we had all this medical equipment that we're having to load and then we're having to drive to therapy and then we go to therapy and half the time she doesn't want to participate and she's crying through. It can be really discouraging. And so I remember just having negative thoughts and thinking like, this isn't helping. I don't understand why we're doing this. And one day during therapy, I mean, this dimmer was probably like, I don't know, seven, eight or nine months old. And I just said it out loud. And I didn't realize I had said it out loud. And her therapist kind of looked at me and was like, well, if we need to reevaluate, um, you know, the times that you guys are coming, we can. Um, so a big thing was just being honest about kind of how you're feeling. Uh, and then just really working, you know, I felt like we had to change her therapy around to accommodate to her medications schedule because she did take medicines that made her tired but I just remember feeling so discouraged and not wanting to take her back because it was just kind of like you know this is my baby and they're pushing her and it feels like we're just doing all of this extra work and it's and I didn't really see it helping at home and then I you know over the years I look back now I'm really glad that we stayed in therapy and we pushed through um you know and we were proactive in Demer's life so on top of having special needs, they're also normal kids and babies. And so they're going to get frustrated and you have to just keep going and push through it. So I know that she's three now. Walk me through a little bit of how you received the diagnosis. So this is a genetic um, condition. So obviously there's some genetic testing involved. Um, may, did you know immediately? Did you kind of walk us through a little bit of, of how you got this diagnosis? So I guess I'll like start back from the beginning um, of kind of like my pregnancy because that's kind of like what led into our diagnosis. So um, we weren't expecting to have a child actually. And so Denver was a surprise to all of us. Um, and then around 16 or 18 weeks, um, we had some testing done. It was just normal routine testing for my pregnancy. And it came back um, that I had like an elevated level of blood or something like that, um, an elevated lab basically, um, that Dimmer was at a really high increased risk of having spinal bifida. So they sent us to um, a perinatologist and they told us that everything was fine, like Dimmer looked a little small, but you know, so far they didn't have any concerns and to come back in four weeks and by that time she would grow um, and we can kind of reevaluate then, but not to worry. Um, so at that point I was around 20 weeks in my pregnancy. So we went back um, and we seen our doctor and then in his office, it was kind of, that's when he told us, um, Dimmer is measuring to be like six weeks behind. Um, I had preeclampsia at that point, so that was pretty early on, um, and it wasn't like pretty, you know, it wasn't severe, um, and then I also had um, low fluids in the placenta, and then uh, like an abnormal Doppler flow, so the flow from mom to baby was really low. Um, and I think that's pretty much it besides never having like VSD, which is ventricular septal defect. And I mean, that's pretty common in, you know, fetuses. Anyway, so he told us that um, Dimmer was a really active baby, but with all the complications that I had going on, he didn't anticipate um, 
me making it through the next week with my pregnancy. Um, and then ultimately that I would probably deliver Denver that week, if not within the next couple of days. And because of how small she was and because of her gestational age and her measuring so small um, gestationally that she had a less than 1% chance of survival. So, you know, it was really devastating. Um, and so we drove and we actually went to um, Tulsa to see this perinatologist. And so from Tulsa all the way back to the city, um, my doctor had called me from my OBGYN's office and told me, you know, we're like a smaller hospital, so we're going to send you to a bigger hospital. Um, and ultimately, that's where I went to Baptist. And then um, I and they um, had told us like, well, we're just going to try as far along as we can. Um, so I was there actually for three days, got a couple of rounds of steroids to help Denver's lungs, went home, um, and everything just kind of manifested and um, they wanted me to come back in in a week to check on Denver. So I did and everything had worsened. So then I was hospitalized at that point and um, I had asked the, you know, the labor or the hospitalist on the floor, do we know when we're going to have Denver? Do we know we're gonna, when we're going to deliver this baby? And they told me every day, like, no, it just kind of depends on you, how you're doing and how the baby's doing and um, how your ultrasounds are looking. And so for 10 and a half weeks, I just sat in the hospital and then we um, got a delivery date. And so I was technically in my charts, it shows that I was 35 weeks whenever I delivered Denver. Um, but after she was in the NICU, they kind of calculated and determined like the way Denver was acting and different things like that. She was two weeks smaller. So she's, she was born at 33 weeks. Um, so Denver was born, you know, we thought we just it was just, we just thought like her complications as, um, associated to her NICU stay was just her being small and premature. Well, then, you know, the NICU is like a roller coaster, like they tell you it really is. And it seems like every time we turned around and we hit a goal, we were regressing. You know, it takes two steps forward, three steps back. And just, we had so many questions for um, the neonatologist there and they weren't able to give us these answers. And so it was really, you know, kind of frustrating because in our mind, we had no idea about, you know, the medical world. It was all new to us. And it was like, well, you guys are doctors. Shouldn't you have the answers? And I think that was something we learned really quick is even though you know, there's these humans walking around and they have these degrees, they don't know everything. You know, medicine is relatively, um, I would say, new and advanced for where we are. Um, and, you know, it's it's changing every day. And so um, we we're getting ready to go home and they had told us, you know, we, we think there's some things going on with Denver and um, we want to do this test on her. And so we were kind of on the fence and um, we decided that we would wait to do it until we were outpatient because um, the test she had was called a, um, it's called a microarray. Um, and so we waited to do it outpatient because it was going to be way and too expensive to do it inpatient and it wouldn't have changed her plan of care. Um, so after we were just discharged home from the NICU, we had the microarray test done. It was it was not an invasive test. It just basically consisted of a swab of her buccal area. Um, and they sent this test off to a lab and um, they basically just assessed all of Dimmer's chromosomes. And we got a call from her neurologist's office. It was like about, it was roughly like six weeks later. Someone had called and said, hey, we got Dimmer's results in and the doctor wants to see you guys right away. When can you come in? And so 
we made our appointment and then after I had got the call, I called Denver's dad and I was crying and he was asking me what was wrong. And I said, you know, Denver's back from their test um, and they want to see us in their office to discuss the results. Knowing what I kind of knew at that point, I knew that there was something, you know, they had found something. Otherwise they would have been like, everything's fine. And so me and Nicholas and his parents all went to her neurologist's office and they set us in a room and they, you know, the doctor came in and she was like, so we just wanted to, you know, discuss the results with you guys. Um, the microarray came back and it showed that Denver has 1P36 chromosome deletion syndrome. Um, and so, you know, it just kind of like went in one ear out another because it's a really long name. Um, and then she kind of started telling us about it. And, you know, she was saying like basically that Denver may never walk. She may never talk. Um, a lot of kids have just like a lot of complications associated with it. It was something that was terminal, but she couldn't give us um, a life expectancy rate um, and that the um, spectrum was so broad. And she said that basically the only thing we could do was be very proactive in Denver's life to give her the best expected outcome. You know, we, we left there and I was really devastated because I felt like, you know, I had this baby and we walked into this neurologist's office and there was nothing wrong with my baby other than the fact that she was born a little premature. And, you know, now I'm leaving this office and you're telling me that my child has this diagnosis and she's never going to be, you know, per se normal. And so it kind of hit her and my dad or her and her dad, like, a, you know, a, a bag of bricks basically. And it was just really, it was really devastating and heartbreaking. You know, we were already mourning a really hard pregnancy and now, you know, we have this little baby and we're first time parents and we had this traumatic pregnancy and then a traumatic, um, you know, a couple of months into her first part of her life. And now we're going to walk down this road of being special needs parents. And it was really, really rough to get that diagnosis, you know. Um, and I guess you kind of, I wouldn't want to compare this to like getting a diagnosis of cancer or something, but you know, you, it's like you go into a clinic and you're fine. And then the next thing you know, you have a life altering diagnosis. And it's just like, you know, you go through that first um, stage of grief where you're in denial, like, no, this can't be happening to me, you know, and so it was, it was really rough. Um, and then after a couple of months, you know, and really researching her diagnosis, getting um, into support groups, you know, Facebook support groups, reaching out to other moms with kids with this, um, we found out that um, this or there's an organization for 1P36 chromosome deletion syndrome. Um, so we got her diagnosis in January, and in June we went to a conference, and I think there was 85 family members there. Um, there was people from the UK, there was people from India, there was people from all over the world that had came to this conference, and you just see all these kids with special needs, and it was really emotional for Nicholas and I, you know, um, because it's like you see all these children standing or in these wheelchairs and in front of you and we just have our you know a little 11 a month old baby and we don't know the path that she's going to go down we don't know if she's going to be in a wheelchair we don't know if she's going to be able to be weight bearing and walking around you know ambulating um and so it was really it was it was a lot for us um you know, but it was also beautiful because you see these families and here they are with their kids and they're just so proud you know and um, it was really informative. We learned a lot. There was 
several genet. I think there was like one geneticist there. There was um, a dentist, another doctor. There was like four or five doctors there, um, just updating us on everything they're doing with one p three six and all the new information and what we could do as parents to kind of help, you know, basically give information back to um, spread the news about one p three six to help other parents. How often do they have that conference? Do you know? So they have that conference yearly. Um, and usually it takes about two years to plan it. So um, usually how the conference um, goes about is like a family will decide, hey, we want to host the conference. And so the family and the four doctors kind of work together and they pick out a location um, and it takes about two years to plan. So they're planning like every two years ahead. And um, in June, the ambassador tells us basically, this is where we're going to have it. Um, and they get with hotels and different things to give parents discounts. And it gives you a little bit of time. I think they tell you, so the conferences is usually in like June the end of June, end of July, beginning of August. It's it falls around those months, and so it's all over um, the U.S. So the year that we went in 2018, it was actually in Houston, Texas, and then in 2019 they had it in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and Nicholas and I didn't get to go because financially we just couldn't afford it, and Denver was going through some medical things, um, so we didn't go. And then COVID hit, so they just you know were like, once COVID dies down, because we didn't think COVID would be like this, um, they would let us know. But until COVID dies down, they won't be having any more conferences. Um, but also they have a support group in the like Europe. And so they kind of have their own conferences over there too. So it's really neat. I mean, it's just like a whole organization of people getting together. And so if we wanted to go, you know, to one of like the London conferences, we could. Um, but it's something that we probably won't do for several years, you know, maybe in, when Denver gets older, that's something we might consider. Do you, do you know other families in Oklahoma with this syndrome? Um, so I believe there are three or four other families. Um, I guess that would be included, one of us being included. We do, um, the biggest um, family who kind of we spoke to at the conference, we actually met them at the conference. Um, they are here from, you know, from Oklahoma um, and they have a son named Kyle. And I believe he's like 29 now, maybe. Um, and he's been working at McDonald's for like five years or nine years, maybe five to nine years. I, I don't recall, um, you know, and he, um, does have daily, you know, struggles and different things, um, but just to hear him talk and, like, see him hold down a job and just do things that we do normally was just such a big inspiration for us, you know, and it gave us a little bit of hope, and, you know, kind of where after the conference, you know, Nick and I sat down and we just really had, like, an in-depth conversation. We said, you know, if Denver is able to work at McDonald's or wherever she works, we'll be proud of her. And, you know, if that's something she's not going to be able to do and she's not, you know, going to be able to experience that part of her life and be working, that's okay, too. Like, we will always love her regardless. Um, but, you know, we'll always strive to give her the best and get her where she needs to be. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about maybe you've mentioned the well, the conference and those were all great supports for you. Talk to us a little bit about what were some early supports that were really, really good for you. Um, and then maybe how people could support you now. Okay. So I think um, 
the biggest thing was, you know, finding a pediatrician that specializes in special needs. That was the biggest thing. After Denver's NICU stay, I mean, we were first-time parents. Um, so we just went to just a regular pediatrician's office, and they kind of didn't know anything about special needs, and we didn't really know that much. And Denver came home, like, on a pulse ox and all of this stuff. And so um, it was kind of overwhelming, I think, for that pediatrician. And so they did their best to manage it, but it wasn't like a perfect fit there. Um, and so whenever we were discharged home, because Denver had like the feeding tube and um, the pulse ox and oxygen as needed, Dr. Watson, um, had, she was one of Denver's neonatologists, had discharged Denver, Denver home with um, home health visits. And so we went through a um, home health nursing company and we had a home health nurse come out. And she came out, you know, we could have her come out, I think, five days a week. And so we would have her come three to five days a week. And I had told her about the experience that I had and that I just felt like this doctor wasn't a fit, not because of who they were. It was just that, you know, I just didn't feel like they were really competent kind of in that area of special needs and what we needed. Um, and so she had recommended going to that specialized in children with special needs. You know, we didn't have Denver's diagnosis at this point, but we did know that she was going to have special needs, um, you know, considering like the feeding tube and the global delays and things like this. So we ended up getting in um, to um, a hospital that specialized kind of with kids that had, you know, complications. It's the Children's Center Rehabilitation um, Hospital in Bethany. So we ended up getting there and um, we got in to see one of their providers. And that that really helped and opened doors because, you know, they see a variety of kids, you know, from like cerebral palsy to other genetic abnormalities, things that like, you know, other doctors haven't seen. So it was just, you know, I think feel like just confiding in her primary care doctor and finding those services that worked for Denver was the biggest help. Um, so we didn't, so Denver has nursing in the home. Um, and whenever we left Baptist, I mean, I kind of left like, you know, it was kind of like someone handed off the baton to me, like here, this is your ship to navigate. And here I am 20, what was I 21? Um, and I just had this new little baby and I didn't know what to do with her, you know, like other than take her home and love her. Um, so it was really scary. And so I'm super grateful that Dr. Watson discharged us home with, you know, home health um, because the nurse was able to give us information and kind of guide us to the children's center. And that helped a lot. Um, and then, you know, just any questions that I had, I would I think I kind of overdid it a little bit, but, you know, Denver's doctor, you know, if Denver was sick or whatever, I could get her in and she would get her seen. And I just would write down questions that I had throughout the week. And if Denver had a doctor's appointment, I would just write those questions down, take them in. And I mean, our doctor's appointments were like 45 minutes long because I was just have all these questions for our doctor and bless her heart. She couldn't answer all of them, but she made sure that she would find the answer for us. Um, and ultimately that's what got us into basically all of um, her referrals for her physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, um, and then getting us nursing. 
Um, so a little bit, I guess I can give you a little information about nursing. Um, yeah. We had no, like I had no idea that there was actually like a pediatric, you know, field out there for in-home nursing for kids that needed nurses. Um, and so at this point, Nicholas was working and I had not worked since my hospitalization. And I knew that I wanted to either go back to work or go back to school. Um, and where he was working, they didn't have great insurance benefits and Denver was getting, you know, benefits um, from the state because we made under a certain amount um, financially, so we were able to get um, basically sooner care for her. Um, and so I was looking around into nursing programs um, because whenever we had met, I was in a nursing program, but I ended up dropping out because of life and different things. Um, so I decided I'm going to go back to school. Um, but there was only one issue. What were we going to do with Denver? Um, you know, my family lived over an hour away. Nick's mom worked a full-time job and his dad was a retired firefighter. And so that was just way too much to put on his dad, you know, um, Googling like special needs daycares. I don't feel like I can put her there because half the time I'm scared to death whenever all of this is going on. And so we talked to our primary care doctor and I was like, you know, kind of crying. I was like, I just feel like life is a little impossible for me to do anything other than be a stay-at-home mom and Denver's caregiver. And so we had like sat back and reevaluated everything. And she was like, you know, um, in-home nursing might be an option for you. And I was like, well, we already have nursing, you know, because she had extended Denver's home health nursing where they would come out and weigh Denver um, and different things like that. And I was like, so what do you mean? Like her nurse would like stay there with her for a little bit or like, what does this entail? And she kind of explained that the state had a program for kids um, that were special needs, kind of like um, a child who maybe was in the children's center and they needed to go home and needed a little bit of extra care or, you know, the the parents wanted them at home and they were able to be at home, but they needed a nurse in the home. And so she told us about the program that Oklahoma had for kids who needed a nurse in the home. And kind of basically, um, it's a little bit cheaper to have a, a nurse in your home and caring for these kids rather than being in a facility where it's 24-hour care. So we just filled out, um, we just had our primary care fill out the paperwork and we um, put all of Denver's diagnosis down, different things about like our family. And just all this other, other like subjective information, objective information down and we send it off and we just like prayed like, God, please let this be approved because it would just be so life-changing for Denver and, you know, us. It would give us a little bit of a break. Um, and so it took about three months to get any news back. And so once we got the news back, I think we applied in maybe, what was it, May? Um, and we found out. I guess it was like April, May, and then we found out the end of June or July before the conference that Denver was approved for in-home nursing, um, and it gave us an allotted amount of time and days of the week, um, and then she was actually in the hospital for three weeks when we were approved. And so the nursing, they only had one nursing company that did in-home pediatric um, home health care. And so they reached out to us and we told them, yes, um, that we would go with their company. Um, but Denver was in the hospital right now, so we'd have to wait. Um, and then came home, went to the conference, came back, and then um, went with the nursing company. And we've pretty much had 
a nurse ever since. Um, so um, whenever Denver first came home from the NICU, I went back to nursing school because we thought like this is something we could do. This was before we even had her diagnosis. Um, I was called, I went to Canadian Valley and um, I took this test and I, you know, passed and I got into the program um, and there was like a little bit of a wait list. So they called me, I think in August and told me my start date was in January. And so I had figured, well, I would have Denver, we would be home. You know, this was before like um, her NICU stay and all this. This is still while I was at antepartum. I had just anticipated I would, we would be home and she would just be, you know, a home thriving, be roughly like what? five, four or five months old and I could manage it. And so I started the program and I was in the program for, I think one or two, like not even six weeks. And I ended up having to take a leave. But during this time, I met some other nursing students in there. So whenever, you know, fast forward, like half a year later, whenever we found out about nursing and we were approved for nursing, um, I had posted on Facebook that we were looking for a nurse for this amount of time and, you know, these days. And so one of the girls I went to nursing school with had reached out to me and messaged me and she was just newly graduated. Um, and she was actually at the Children's Center, but she was in between, you know, wanting to stay there and find something, uh, you know, a different pediatric calling. And so I had told her of the opportunity that we had. So, and her name is Sydney. So Sydney came on with us and she has been with us for two and a half, going on three years. Um, she actually came a week after Denver's first birthday. Um, and so that's been very special. And I feel like nursing for me was a game changer. You know, we're very fortunate to have Sydney and to have, you know, that constant, consistent nurse who knows Denver. Um, but we've also seen the really sad side of nursing where, you know, there's days that we have that weren't covered and I would have to miss school or Nick would have to miss work. And we went through, you know, having a nurse for a little bit um, for those days that we needed to not having a nurse or, you know, meeting new nurses. And I think that was a little kind of intimidating and hard. One, nursing was completely new to us. Um, and so having someone in your home for this amount of time, it was a little nerve wracking in the beginning. Um, I'm not going to lie. And it kind of felt a little invasive and intrusive. Um, but we knew that they were there to help us with Denver. And, you know, there were some mornings that I would just be so exhausted after I had gotten comfortable that I would go back to sleep for a little bit just because I didn't rest all that night because I was up for Denver. So that was like one of the biggest benefits to having nurses is um, basically it's almost you know, it's kind of similar to a respite stay. They're there to help you, and you know, to care for your child, basically. And so I felt like that was the biggest blessing that we could have ever received. I guess back to kind of the other like sad part about nursing is, you know, you have to find that perfect fit. And sometimes it's really hard to find that perfect fit, um, especially, you know, not only for your family and for your child, but, you know, the nurse has to feel like she fits there too. And so we had a couple of nurses that came through and they felt like a fit, but, you know, they lived like maybe 45 minutes away. And so the drive every day and, you know, um, weather and different things like that affected, us, affected their stay. And so I am right now, um, the nurse that we've had for two years is about to have her baby. And so we have about six weeks um, 
left with Sydney and she's also, you know, during that time she um, obtained her RN. So she's going to case management. So we're only going to have her in the home one day a week. So we're kind of in between a nurse and I think that's scary for us. Um, but it's, it's definitely something I would consider if, you know, you feel a little overwhelmed and like you need an extra set of hands at home. Um, I would definitely talk to your primary care about getting a nurse. Good. That is a perfect and great explanation for all of that. Tell us a little bit, are you, are you guys signed up for um, like TEFRA and the wait list and those kind of things? Talk us through a little bit about that. So right now, all Denver has is um, Sooner Care, like through the state. Since her dad makes X amount, um, and whenever I wasn't working, we were under that guidelines. Um, but now that I am going to be working, um, I will I will basically be over the income guideline limits. And since our household has divided, if you know if it was to go off of Nicholas's income or my income, we would be over the income for um, Denver to have Sooner um, Sooner Care just through income, like income-based um, sooner care. So we are in the process of getting Denver on TEFRA. Um, so whenever she was smaller, one of the NICU nurses um, had told us, like, I would really consider getting Denver on disability. This was after she had a G-tube, and I was just kind of, I kind of looked at her like, huh? <laughs> you know, because I just didn't understand at that point. And I was like, she just has a feeding tube. And so I knew that, you know, they were more inclined that there was, you know, some special needs going on with Denver. And we just weren't really that aware. I feel like our awareness wasn't really heightened. Um, and so after Denver had gotten nursing, we applied for um, Social Security. Um, we were approved for it. We never received anything. Um, and so we just kind of let it go because life happened. I mean, we had a child that we were taking to multiple doctor's appointments. I mean, on average, we were going to like one to two doctor's appointments a week. We were in therapy three days a week, three to four days a week at two different facilities. And that was just kind of a headache. Um, and then you worked, you know, four to five days a week. And then I was also a nursing student and I had clinical and I was in class every day, Monday through Friday, eight to three. So it was just something that was like put on the back burner that we weren't really worried about because we knew Denver had um, sooner care and it was something that we didn't really have to worry about. And so after me finishing school and realizing, well, I'm going to be over that income guidance, like I really should find out about what's going on with her um, social security so we can know if she'll be able to get like disability insurance or if we need to go off of TEFRA. Um, and so basically my understanding of TEFRA is it's for parents who are over the income guidelines for regular sooner care, um, but you don't make enough to pay for your child's medical needs. So basically, if we had Denver on Blue Cross and Blue Shield, we're going to go into debt with the amount of care that she requires paying copay. So that's where the state comes in and says, hey, we realize that you have a child with special needs and you're going to drown and go into debt with these medical needs. So we have a program called TEFRA. Um, and so what they do is they evaluate all of Denver's needs, all of her diagnosis. They talk with her doctors and different things like that. And they go off of Denver's income and it's essentially essentially um, just like having sooner care, but it would be based off of Denver's income. And then they do an evaluation every year to see if she still needs um, that insurance. You've clearly done your research. <laughs> yeah. As mom, you, you know your stuff. So I love it. You have 
uh, you are fulfilling a role that you never even knew you you had, right? Yeah, definitely. So, so talk a little bit about what you've been able to accomplish as a mom, having Denver in your life. I know that you said you just recently graduated. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I recently graduated, um, LPN school, um, and I was able to obtain my LPN while juggling, you know, Denver going through all of these leaps and bounds of hospitalizations and different things with that. And one thing I'll be forever grateful for was the nursing program that I went through was actually self-paced. Um, so it was, um, you have an allotted amount of time to finish this course. And so you have to get your schoolwork done in this time. And so it's not like, oh, well, on Tuesday, you have to test over this. It's like, well, you have until this amount of time to do it. So going to a school that fits your needs was one of the biggest things. I mean, I did have have to be there a minimum of 24 hours a week and if I wasn't to uh, you know maintain that time I I could have been kicked out for that but if I did miss the next week I was able to make that time up so really finding a school that can accommodate to your schedule um, was the biggest thing um, a second thing was fortunately for the the amount of time that I was in school Denver's dad and I you know, we're cohabilitating together and we had nursing in the home. Um, I would say he, he moved in September. And so that was really hard for me because it was, you know, everything here at home was still the same. We still had Denver and we still had nursing, um, but I didn't have that other person, you know, for support. And so that was really hard. Um, but just having a great co-parenting relationship with him was very, very much needed and vital to getting through nursing school um, and agreeing on days that kind of worked for my schedule for a little bit just to get me through clinical um, because the last part of my nursing program we had evening clinicals I mean I had Denver and we only had a nurse from you know it was like in the morning and then they had to leave by 7 p.m but if I was in clinical from 3 to 11 and it was my day to have Denver, well, I would either have to omit that clinical and take a zero and, you know, depending on your grades and how many clinicals you miss, you could be kicked out of nursing school. And so it was just kind of like, well, I'm too far. Like, you know, I have one course left. Do I really want to give up on my dream now? And so it was really um, vital for me and Nicholas to work together to make sure that I could finish school. And so it, it was really nice that he was able to say, hey, I can watch Denver this evening um, until you get home. Um, from clinical. And so definitely having a support system, whether that's your spouse, you know, your ex-husband, um, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your sister, whoever it might be, just to have a support system and have them learn about your child and everything. Um, my sister also helped me quite a bit, you know. Um, our relationship was a little bit rocky whenever Denver was born, just because we were all going through so much. But now Lacey, she has like really stepped up in any time like I might not have a nurse or I might need something or whatever it might be, you know, just to even come over and visit and give me a little bit of a break, you know, having a family member learn how to use something as simple as a feeding tube. It can be really intimidating and scary, but just to have them kind of understand their needs and know their schedule and their medicine is, I think, is, is very vital to getting through, um, you know, parenting a child with special needs. So, That's and then having... Answer. 
Yeah, yeah, support is really big. And then having also, you know, I had a best friend, her name is Jessica. And so I invented, you know, it was probably exhausting to Jessica, bless her heart. And she never said anything, but just having that friend that you can go to. And even though Jessica didn't have a child with special needs, you know, she still understand we were in nursing school together. So, you know, she kind of understood that medical aspect a little bit better than someone who, who wouldn't, you know, know what a feeding tube and different things was. But just to have a friend that you can go to invent and say, you know, I'm just our day. Denver's had a really rough day. And it's, you know, I have all these assignments that are done, you know, someone just to kind of ground you and kind of get you back to reality. Well, you know, this is something that you can't control, but this is something you can control. And so you need to focus on the things you can control and prioritize. So just, you know, not overthinking everything. I think that was my biggest downfall was I overthought, I overthink all the time. And so just having, you know, that support that you can turn to and that just brings you back to reality, you know. Tell us a little bit about your hopes and dreams and in what you see in Denver's future. Um, so hopes and dreams for myself is, um, for right now, I just want to get through the next couple of months and figuring out what life is like with being a new nurse, um, being a new, you know, relatively new single mom, getting into the routine of just me and Denver and finding an, you know, another nurse. Um, but eventually I'm hoping by this fall, everything will be figured out and I can go back to, um, college and finish up my prereqs, um, going, um, go into a bridge program, LPN to BSN. And then once I obtain my BSN, I would like to work ideally, um, like maybe ICU, um, NICU, um, and then once I work there for a couple of years, I would like to go back and further my education and um, become an APRN, maybe even a CRNA. I'm not really entirely sure. I know that we're like adults, but sometimes I feel like I'm still a child figuring out what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> um, but I, I do know it's in the medical field. Um, and then as far as like what I hope for for Denver is just, I hope that I'm able to give her the best life. Um, possible. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful one day that Denver will be able to walk, but if she doesn't, that's okay. Right now, her happiness is what's important to me. And so, you know, a big thing is Cocoa Melon that we're stuck on. And so if Cocoa Melon brings her joy and brings her happiness, then we'll always just play it. And so my biggest thing is just being as proactive in Dimmer's life as I can and giving her what makes her happy because that's important, I think, for her. Because we're not, with our kids, you know, and with anyone, we're not promised tomorrow with them. And I think we have been through a lot with Denver and we, you know, there were some times like in the NICU that we, we didn't always know. And so I think knowing that and, you know, just seeing over the last two years, being in the support group, some of the kiddos that you would think, oh, they're going to live a long, healthy life, just unexpectedly pass away or, you know, other pediatric kids that, you know, that we've come to know and like within the small group of Oklahoma, their kids pass away. I think it makes you, really value their life, I wouldn't say more than uh, another parent's, but I think it makes you grateful for every day that you have with them. And so I just, I just wish a long, happy, healthy life for Denver and to give her the best. Beautiful. From well, a mama's heart, for sure. So the name of the podcast is We Saved You a Seat. Who have you saved a seat for in your life? That's a good one. I would say, I would say I've saved a seat maybe for Denver. Yeah, that's, that's kind of hard to think about, but Probably definitely for her. 
making sure she's always got a place. Make sure, yep, she's always got a place, bringing more awareness. And I, you know, going back to, I guess, getting Denver's diagnosis, that was really hard for me to accept. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I don't think the hard part was, what's my life going to be like? It's, what's Denver's life going to be like? And so, you know, I did have a small Facebook page and I've kind of let it go a little bit just because life has been so crazy, but I have a lot of friends and what's so encouraging is, you know, they kind of walk that journey because I made that Facebook page whenever I was pregnant in the hospital and we didn't know Denver's outcome. And so here they are three years later and everyone I'll post a picture of Denver like in her standard or this and I just get all kind of love and support on that and I have one person in particular that I've known since I was a sophomore and she's kind of been a mentor her name is Susan Poole um, but you know when I post things every now and then Susan comments on them and it's something that I look forward to and she's like you know you're such a great mom you're such a great advocate it's been like such a great joy just to see you grow as a person and then to see you grow as a mom and then to just have this little tiny person and to see you bring awareness about Denver because as for me as a mom and as a person before I was even a mom and Denver's mom you know that new label that I was given I knew nothing about 1P36 and so now having Denver and knowing all you know all this information and then absorbing what all is out there and to be able to share that and you know share that awareness and make other people aware of it has been just really oh, I, sometimes I feel like I, am I doing enough? And then just to have someone comment and kind of reassure you that you are, I think it's beautiful, you know, because without Denver, I would have never known what 1P36 was. And without her, other people on my Facebook page or whoever is around me now knows about 1P36. And so I think it's, it's, you know, a blessing in disguise, definitely, because now you get to share this awareness. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing Denver with today. And thank you for uh, bringing awareness to the 1P36. And I just, I look forward to watching Denver grow up and, uh, and seeing what all she can accomplish. And even more, I just am a, a big, huge admirer of what you've been able to accomplish as a result of having Denver in your life and just as you continue on with everything. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405 271-5072.